Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. I'm a pretty good guy, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at how much fun we can have together. Isn't that a bit harsh, Your Honor? No! Okay. First time in 23 years, our minds are synchronized. Is this good or bad? Well, it's bad that he's talking to her, but it's good that, uh, no, it's bad. It's all bad. I'm Jim Burns. Every marriage has its ups and downs, and during those down times, well, it's easy to think, I would be a lot happier in my marriage if only my spouse would lose some of those bad habits of his or hers. Well, what if I told you that the key to improving the quality of your marriage was to stop working on the problems in your marriage and actually start taking care of your own life instead? Well, during the next half hour, I'll talk with Dr. Chuck Mylander about why he thinks taking care of your own issues first is a healthy step toward what he calls experiencing Christ together with your spouse. Well, finding freedom and fulfillment in marriage is our topic today on Homeward. Yes, it's possible, and it starts right now. From the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University, welcome to Homeward with parenting and family expert, Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Roger Marsh, and just a moment, part one of Jim's two-part conversation with Chuck Mylander, talking about finding freedom and fulfillment in marriage. First, I want to thank you. Take this moment, a little opportunity here to thank you for your prayers and faithful financial support of the Ministry of Homeward. I know you're in the process of maybe getting your taxes ready as April 15th looms, and I know that it's not always easy to make that decision to support a ministry financially but so many of our Homeward listeners do so. And I just want to take this opportunity to thank you for going online at Homeward.com or writing to us at P.O. Box 1600, San Juan Capistrano, California, zip code 92693. Okay, with part one of today's program right now, here is Dr. Jim Burns. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. Today we're talking about finding freedom and fulfillment in your marriage. And who doesn't want that? And frankly, who doesn't need that? We need that. All of us need that. Dr. Chuck Mylander is with us today. He's the executive director of the Evangelical Friends Mission. It's the sending organization for Friends Churches all throughout the United States. He lives in Brea, California, which is not too far from the studios here, with his wife, Nancy. They have two grown children, five grandkids, and he's written a great book called Experiencing Christ Together, Finding Freedom and Fulfillment in Marriage. He's co-written that with a wonderful friend of Homeward named Neil Anderson. Chuck, welcome to our program. Thank you. It's good to be here. You know, I'm sitting here across from you, and you're wearing this you know, amazing Hawaiian shirt here, and it <laughs> kind of reminds me that we do these programs here in Southern California, and it's great on a beautiful day like this, isn't it? It is. It really is. It's interesting when we think about marriages, because a lot of people struggle in their marriages, and some very fine Christian people struggle in their marriage. And, and one of the things that you say, and it's some advice to couples, which is kind of startling, you say, forget about saving your marriage, at least at first. Talk about what you mean by saying that. You have to work on yourself first. If you start with your spouse, uh, it's really hard to change somebody else. And it's so easy in marriage to get focused on your husband or wife's weaknesses instead of being focused on their strengths. And so if you're trying to change them, hardly ever works. You know, it's funny. I remember Gary Smalley one day in the studio pointing his finger at me and saying, you know, when I point a finger at you, there are three fingers pointing back at me. And really, it was kind of the same thing. Exactly. In, in many ways, what you and Neil are saying in your book, Experiencing Christ Together, is that basically, 
work on your own self, work on your own soul, get yourself together, and then your spouse is going to kind of come along. We're saying marriage is made for three, and Christ is the first. Mm -hmm. And so if you start with Christ and yourself, then make your spouse third in who you work on. Yeah, no, that's very, very good and very important. Now, you have an interesting quote regarding how men should feel about marriage, and I actually laughed out loud when I was reading it. You say, it's a wise groom who has to be dragged to the altar. Now, you got to make some sense for us on that one. <laughs> I think that was Neil's statement. Sure, but that sounds like a Neil statement, it by does. the way. But I think what he's saying is, you want to make sure that your whole heart is in this, and this is the wife of your dreams. Right. And once you're fully committed to that, you're committed. Because commitment is what's unique about Christian marriage. But love and romance are what make it great. Okay, now, sometimes people say, well, you know what, I'm committed, but the love and the romance really isn't there anymore. And I, I'll hear a lot of Christians say that. Right. Which is more important, commitment or love and romance? Well, commitment's always more important because all marriages cycle between disillusionment and joy. And good marriages spend most of their time on the joy side, and bad marriages spend way too much time on the disillusionment side. And when we're in that disillusionment cycle, we think it's always going to be this way. But it's not. It will cycle back. And then in the good times, work hard to make it better and better. And the bad times, get through it. Chuck, if you're in the disillusionment cycle right now, what are some suggestions to move this on along? And I realize we all have times of joy, times of disillusionment, but if you are in the disillusionment, what can you do to, to make it better? Well, the very first thing is hold on. You know, hold on to Christ. Hold on to some Christian friends. Hold on to a good pastor or counselor or a trusted, trusted friend, a confidant. Just Get allies for your marriage. If you can get into some kind of a small group or some kind of a place where you have people surrounding you, what not to do is listen to losers. Losers are the ones who've lost their marriage. And I realize that's lots of people and God has grace and he redeems. But don't listen to people who say, well, I've been there. Listen, uh, I know this good attorney. Or, yeah. I know this guy you ought to go right. see. You know, it's interesting you'd say that. I was speaking last week on parenting, but a woman came up to me and she said, I made the biggest mistake of my life was my husband and I were struggling. And I started spending time with some women who I thought would support me, but in many ways they had all been disillusioned in their marriages. And they took me in a road that I didn't want to go. And now I'm, you know, minus my husband and, you know, my kids are mad at me. And I've made a, a terrible mistake. Exactly. Well, what would you have said to that woman? I would say... Listen to winners, find allies among committed Christians who have strong marriages, uh, learn from people who are doing it right, hmm. and get some good books, yeah. uh, some good tapes, listen to some good radio programs. You know, it is funny that you say that. I said to a man not too long ago, uh, who's a phenomenal businessman, and he reads about five to seven books a year on his business just to kind of keep it up. And I said, you ever read a marriage book? And he said, well, no, he was struggling in his marriage. And I said, well, why don't you read a marriage book? And he said, well, okay, but sounds kind of like what something my wife would do. And I said, well, I want to challenge you to read a book. And he's one of these guys who needs to kind of be in your face, needs to be challenged. He read a book and said, this is amazing. I should have done this. And I said, I, I want to challenge you to do it once a year at least. There you go. And he said, this was amazing. I learned so much. Well, we sometimes we have to be intentional about growing in our marriage, don't we? Yeah, see, we men professionally will stay on top of our field, whatever it is. We'll work hard to stay on top of it. And we'll say... My marriage and family are more important to me than anything, but we won't stay on top of the field. Right. No, I, th I think that's something for uh, many of us to hear. 
Now, Chuck, you've identified what you call criteria for a successful marriage. And I want you to take us through these three steps. And the first one, it sounds so simple, but maybe it's not as simple as we think. Both husband and wife should leave mom and dad. The physical part's simple. The emotional part's not so simple. Especially if you have a dysfunctional bonding to a a father and mother. The Bible clearly says we're supposed to respect our parents. Honor your father and mother is one of the Ten Commandments. However, so many families have a dysfunctional bonding to a parent or an in-law or something, and the old in-law jokes, you know, underline this. And so that has to be broken or changed, and sometimes it means setting boundaries. Right, I mean, and you know what? Jesus quoted the Old Testament but it's in both old and new that a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. And you really right. can't do that if you don't leave home. You know, in, in my situation, it's interesting because you are involved in the Friends Church and I was telling you when Kathy and I got married, we got married at a church called Yorba Linda Friends and then we went away on a 10-day honeymoon. And we thought we were going to have a pretty easy marriage and that first year was terrible. We would argue on the way to church in our marriage, and then I'd speak on the joy of being, you know, in a Christian family, which was interesting. It wasn't, it sounded pretty hypocritical. But interesting enough, I ended up periodically when Kathy and I would, would have tension, I would go back and see mom and dad. They lived in Anaheim, which was only about 15 minutes away from where we lived. And we finally went away. We finally moved to go to graduate school, but I had really not left them because I would go there for some of that security. And I wouldn't tell them why I was there. I just sort of show up. They were glad to have their you know, youngest son around. But it was a lesson for me that you can actually be married and you can be away and live in a different home and all that, but you still haven't left your mom and dad. Right. Great, great lesson. And that doesn't mean cut them off. Right. That does mean that your primary affection is for your bride. No, exactly. Now, there's another one. Both husband and wife must bond together in such a way that they become one. Still dealing, I'm sure, with that same verse. Yeah. Again, the physical part is obvious. The emotional part happens over time. But building romance and love into that bonding is what makes marriage great. Yeah. Uh, when, When Christ becomes part of that love, when... A wife so submits herself to her husband that she's giving herself to him as a gift. When she looks to him, not for domination, but to somehow fulfill the needs that he's supposed to fulfill. And we men don't always do that real well, so she also has to look to some Christian friends and other allies. But it makes all the difference if they really bond together. A date night, simple things. Uh, finding things I have in, fo- in common, being good friends. Uh, those are all things that No, help. those are good. Good, helpful, practical things. Listen, we're going to take a break. We'll come back to the third part of the criteria for a successful marriage. Actually, it's about unresolved issues between each other and also between God. Boy, and that's a key, especially as we're talking about finding freedom and fulfillment in marriage. Chuck Mylander, our guest today here on the Homeward Broadcast, of one of our, our classics from the archives from a couple of years ago. And remember, if you're in a marriage situation, a lot of people, of course, tune to Homeward because it's a parenting and family program. You might be asking yourself, well, why are we talking about marriage so much, especially right now? And the reason is, if mom and dad are in a marriage that's kind of struggling, that's uh, maybe uh, under a lot of pressure, um, it really does impact the relationship between mom and kids and dad and kids, and it, it really adjusts the thermostat, so to speak, of the temperature at home. So that's why if you are in a marriage right now that could use a little work, 
We encourage you to go to homeward.com, check out the articles and media section, all the different free resources that you'll find there. Also, Jim's books, Creating an Intimate Marriage and Closer, they're available for purchase in our online resource center. And when you do purchase them through Homeward, a portion of the proceeds goes to supporting our ministry. We are grateful for your faithful financial support. All right, let's get back into it right now with the conclusion of today's edition of the Homeward Broadcast. Finding Freedom and Fulfillment in Marriage is our theme. Here once again is Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Jim Burns. We're talking with Chuck Mylander today about finding freedom and fulfillment in your marriage. You know, the best thing you can do for your marriage is to resolve as many of those personal conflicts that you have that are keeping you from truly connecting with your spouse. And actually, that's the third point to a criteria for a successful marriage, Chuck. You say both husband and wife must have no underline no unresolved issues between each other or God. That's that's tough to have. It is tough to have, and that's the ideal. It's not always real. Uh, You certainly should not bail out of a marriage because there are no unresolved issues. However, it's a great goal, and it's the heart of our book. Because in the heart of our book, we're saying, if you get free in Christ, then you have a basis, your identity in Christ, to work with each other. And that that, that freedom on the inside opens the way for you to find resolution to the practical issues of life, money, sex, and power, yeah. uh, the things that couples tend to fight about. Sure, exactly. And inevitably. But that deeper issue of freedom in Christ, that deeper issue of going through the steps to freedom in Christ and the marriage steps uh, really are all geared at this. Christ is the key to your marriage. It's not just two people. It's three. And if you can do that, then when these other issues come up, you can work them through. Now, I've been married a long time. There will always be new issues, and there will always be old issues resurface. Uh, There are no perfect marriages because there are no perfect people. But the more of them you can get solved, the better. Okay, and I want to push on the whole idea of freedom in Christ because that's an incredible concept that has helped so many different people. And yet some people, I saw a bumper sticker once that said, Christ is the answer, what's the question? And so maybe there's a listener or two or three or a couple thousand who are saying, fine, I want freedom in Christ, but I'm not sure to even how to get it. What would you say to them? Well, if they're a reader, I would say read two of Neil's books, uh, Victory Over the Darkness and The Bondage Breaker, and then either alone or with a trusted friend or pastor, go through the steps to freedom. If they're not a reader, then it's a little tougher. Then I would say, listen, freedom in Christ is a matter of a soul searching that is so deep that you're willing to be transparent and intimate with him, and you're willing to engage in revolutionary repentance over anything that he shows you that are wrong including things you may not think of easily, like forgiveness. Uh, Forgiveness among Christians is probably the number one point of bondage. It's so interesting when we take people through the steps to freedom that when we get to the forgiveness thing, often they'll think one or two. You know, well, my dad or my mom or, you know, somebody did hurt me once. And then when they get started, their list gets longer and longer and longer. And they start saying, Lord, forgive, name the person, 
forgive Aunt Susie for the time she so humiliated me in front of everybody because that made me feel just rotten. And there's something about forgiveness. When we really get in touch with those feelings, then it's real. Some people say, well, you know, I got to heal in order to forgive. I think that's backwards. We forgive in order to heal. And so just that one example of the steps, if we really, really forgive, and in marriage, it inevitably includes our spouse. No, exactly. And, you know, maybe there's somebody listening who who struggles with forgiving their spouse. Their spouse did something really horrible to them. Maybe it was adultery. Maybe it was, you know, some other issue. But they have a really tough time forgiving them. What do they do? We owe each other forgiveness. Let's talk about adultery in particular. We owe each other forgiveness, but trust has to be rebuilt. And sometimes that distinction helps people. Um, they can forgive if they understand that doesn't mean I automatically trust him. And then he has to earn the trust back. It has to be rebuilt. It takes time. But to harbor unforgiveness, to keep bringing it up again, will only put dirt in the wound. It'll only infect the marriage right. with all kinds of bacteria and things that'll corrupt it. Great, great input, Roger. I kind of feel like we're you know, talking with our counselor today. It's just a, a great conversation. Let's talk frankly about sex for a minute. You say that sexual attraction for men begins with the eye gate a beautiful woman raises his physical voltage. A sexual attraction for a woman begins with the ear gate, and a man with a gift for tender talk raises her emotional voltage. I want you to talk about that. I have a son whom I'm very proud of, but uh, he has the ability to use words well. And sometimes when my wife's hurting, she'll get on the phone with him, and he just seems to be able to say the things that comfort her heart. And I'm glad I have a son like that. I'm very sure. proud of him. But sometimes I think, man, I'd like to do that. <laughs> you know, man, I'd like to be able to just say those words that penetrate and comfort when she needs it so much. Wives also are susceptible to other men, particularly if they're not getting it from their husbands, who come along and say, you know, let's just casual conversation. Then let's have a cup of coffee. And Well, why not come in for lunch? And it, it's not physical, it's just talk. But pretty soon talk leads to the next step, which are hidden times. Um, no sex now, we're just, you know, finding, we're just good friends, that's all. And then pretty soon it's little gifts and phone calls and cards and still no sex, you know, just very, very good friends, but it's hidden. The fact that it's hidden and not in the light means big trouble. Usually she wakes up first and she says, I'm in love with this guy and I'm not in love with the man I married. And then later the guy wakes up and I'm assuming these are Christians who really didn't intend to get here. The guy wakes up and says, you know, I'm in love with two women. I love my wife, but I also love this other woman. And then sadly, too often he says, you know, I got her into this, so... I have a responsibility to take care of her, which is a huge lie from Satan. His responsibility is to take care of his wife and his children because somebody's going to get hurt out of this, and it shouldn't be his wife and children. No, oh, and that's a, that's a great lesson. We need to be preventative rather than you know work on it after the fact. It's much easier to do it when we can have some prevention. That's one of the things I appreciate so much about your book. Now, you and Nancy learned a lesson about building a great marriage when you traveled to Hawaii to celebrate your 30th wedding anniversary. 
think each morning while you were in Maui on that trip, you, you sat on the deck of your condo and you read, prayed, sipped some tea. And you watched <laughs> these small birds. Tell me about that. They were hummingbirds building a nest, and it was a great picture of teamwork. This uh, male hummingbird would take off, get some little strand, bring it back, and and if he ever dropped one, he didn't panic. He'd just kind of rest for a while. Then he'd take off and get another. And the female built the nest with incredible skill. And she made the home, uh, literally. And it was fascinating to watch the difference between male and female, the teamwork and working together, and how this female hummingbird uh, used all of her skill to build a nest. And it was a nest for her young, yet to come. While the male was the provider and the worker and the protector. If I recall right, some other hummingbird or something came along and man, he flew into action. He put his life on the line for her. Um, nobody was going to intrude on his territory. So it was great. It was a cute picture. So what's the moral of the story for that? I think the moral of the story is that we're created male and created female. And even though we live in a unisex world, deep down we're still created male and created female. And we need each other. And when we work together as a team with our two different perspectives and some mutually understood job roles, we'll be way more productive and way more happy. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for being with us. Got to ask you to come back next time. Thank as you. Well. Chuck Mylander with us. You know, the scripture says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but they are one. That was probably spoken at your wedding, and we're going to continue that conversation again next time. Roger? Well, it's interesting, Jim, as many people are debating whether or not, um, as a matter of fact, uh, we're looking at next week, actually, even looking at some some of the legal ramifications. Of course, for our broadcast listeners on radio, next week is when the Supreme Court's going to take up these issues. If you're podcasting with us, time doesn't really matter. But it's so important for us to, to think about what the biblical model is, and uh, grateful to have this conversation with Chuck Mylander, talking about finding freedom and fulfillment in marriage. And we encourage you to check us out online at homeward.com. Lots of free resources in the articles and media section about what marriage is all about and how the most effective marriages are the ones that also uh, lead to great parent-child relationships too. Go to articles and media tab at homeword.com. Well, thank you, Roger. And I believe that it is actually possible to move toward freedom and fulfillment in your marriage. A lot of times we think there's going to be absolute freedom, absolute fulfillment. Right. You know, we have to grieve that dream because sometimes we came into our marriages thinking that that was going to be the way it was and it was going to be perfect and it's not. The fascinating side to it, as we talked about today, is that we have to ruthlessly be honest about our own brokenness first. And that's the message that I heard today from our conversation. That's the message I want to leave you with today. We all bring certain expectations, like I said, into marriage. Some of them are realistic, and frankly, some of them are just not. And quite frankly, the reason that so many of our expectations aren't realistic is because they're based on the idea that our spouse— needs to act a certain way to make us happy. The sooner you get that understood, that it's not that way, the better. And if you have some unfinished business from your past, well, you're never going to be happy until you can get some resolution in those areas. And even if your spouse has unfinished business, I got news for you. Do what you can do to make yourself healthy 
and then it'll bring your spouse along as well. If you feel that your issues are too intense for you to even begin to work on, then I would suggest that you seek the wisdom of a counselor. You know, a good marriage can only be as strong as the least healthy person in the relationship. So take that first step toward getting help and getting the help you need. You know, the Bible's clear. Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. That's Proverbs eleven fourteen. by the way. I repeat it all the time here on this uh, program. There is no shame in admitting you have an issue or two from your past that you need to work through. Almost all of us do, maybe all of us. And once you begin addressing some of your own hurts, you and your spouse can begin to look a bit more clearly at some of the couple issues that you need to work through as well. You know, my good friend Henry Cloud has a saying about dealing with the hurts of the past. We can either ignore them or work to eliminate them. I'm going to vote for working to eliminate them. Henry calls this pulling the tooth. I love this illustration. Think about it. If you have a tooth that was infected to the point where it couldn't be fixed, we have two choices. Either try to live with the pain or pull the tooth. Well, the sooner we are willing to deal with our own pain, the easier it will be to let the healing begin. And I want to suggest that you take that advice today and work on it in your own life and in your own marriage. Homeward is here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I want you to think of us as the 411 for information and your 911 when you're facing a marriage or parenting crisis. And I encourage you to visit us online and our online resource center at homeward.com. You can check out literally hundreds of resources available to you there. Be sure to join me again next time when I'll continue my conversation with Dr. Chuck Mylander about finding freedom and fulfillment in marriage. Till then, I'm Jim Burns, and I absolutely appreciate you tuning in today to Homeward, and I hope to have you back real, real soon. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.